All right, we are back. My next guest is standing by to join us, Stephen Rosenfield. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Thank you for calling in. I lo- really loved your book, as I mentioned off air. Thank you so much. So what inspired you to write this? Uh, 28 years of, <laughs> uh, 28 years of working with comedians and, and comedy writers. Now, you're the founding director of the American Comedy Institute. I am. Wow. You have probably seen so many different people. As you mentioned, Lena Dunham, uh, all kinds of people. Coming That's down very true. That is absolutely true. I have seen all kinds of people. Let's talk about this book, because as I'm reading it, it's, you know, stand-up is something like with me, singing, stand-up, all those things are very scary. And I love how you break down, you know, there's a certain way to do this. Do you want to talk about it? Well, I think the thing is that um, a lot of people, maybe most people, think that stand-ups are incredibly funny people who get up and talk off the top of their head, and they're brilliantly funny. Um, and and the big um, the big secret of of stand up is that it's a show, um, and like any show, it's written mm-hmm. um, and it's written and rewritten and uh, and honed, um, and and that you're not up there, you know, naked, having to be funny, you know, facing a room of people going, you know, make me laugh. Yes. You're up there with material um, that that is tried and true. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the, I think the big thing is, is to learn that there's a craft involved in this, um, and you can learn that craft. I know a couple of acting friends who all of a sudden, within a month or so, they say, I'm going to do a, you know, a comedy, a stand-up routine, and I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> it's kind of, that's fast. I mean, it takes years. Right. Do do they need to do that um, as part of a role that they're playing, or no, or no? They just wanted to take a stab at stand up, and I'm thinking, I I think like anything else, it takes a lot of practice and coaching and knowing exactly what you're doing. Well, I would say also like everything else, you don't have to know. You know, you have to know everything. Um, I think it's a reasonable, it's certainly a reasonable expectation. Um, here, let me put it this way. At the American Comedy Institute, we have like a five-day program for our out-of-town students. Really? Wow. Um, and it's five days. Um, it's five days from nothing written, never performed before, and then on the fifth day you're performing at Gotham. Comedy club. <laughs> so um, now those people don't know everything. Of course, they can't. They haven't mastered it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've learned enough fundamentals to be get to be able to get up and be funny. Okay. And as far as their material, are they using like real life stuff? I mean, how do people come to this? They're naturally funny. I mean, you can tell they have something. <laughs> Usually. I mean, there's some kind of self-selection, even though I must say, and this is interesting in a way, because I would say in all these years, there were literally less than one handful of people that were just chronically not funny. Oh, no. There was like nothing to be done, oh, no. um, <laughs> which, you know, I think sense of humor is very accurate. I think it's, it's one of our senses. 
Yes. You know, I think the sixth sense is not being able to see the future. I think the sixth sense is, is being funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, most of them, uh, sure, the vast majority are, are, are folks with a good sense of humor. Um, and, and the crucial thing is this. Um, the audience has to feel that you are telling them the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, even the accepted, exaggerated, but they have, the audience has to feel that this is something that matters to you. Right. Now, that truth can be the truth, or it can be completely and utterly created, <laughs> like in a novel or in a play. Yes. Um, you are not in any way limited to the facts, um, and the and 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 the fact that it is a fact is no guarantee that it's going to be funny. That's right. Um, so the, the bottom line of this is that, um, um, as Judy Tenuta, the comedian, used to say, um, it could happen. <laughs> the audience mm-hmm. has to feel like, you know, this is coming from some true place in you, whether you're making it up or not. Yes. I love how you also talk about the stuff that's so relatable. First of all, if you have a very distinct persona that the audience gets, and then you tell jokes, am I saying this right? You, you craft your jokes around your persona? It's kind of the other way around, okay. because you're going to, I mean, when you get to the point where you can do that, mm-hmm. you're way down the line here in terms of your development. Um, when you know who you are up there so well, that you can start writing jokes, um, you know, for that voice, um, you've come an awfully long way. Um, what happens is you start by telling jokes. The, the, the process of developing persona is, is a process of you just doing whatever you want to do up there, um, n- n- not caring about persona even to start out with. And what you find over the course of performance, lots of them, is that um, audience will love to hear you talking about something. And what I tell the comedians that I work with is every time you get a big laugh, that's Mm -hmm. an invitation to write more stuff about whatever you're talking about. And then the second thing is what emotion which is called attitude and comedy. Um, what attitudes went into that joke that got such a big response? Because that big laugh is telling you they like it when you play those attitudes. Mm-hmm. And here's the other part of it, which is equally important, if not more important, and painful, okay? Which is you'll find over time, you know, not one performance, but over time, that certain subjects do not work for you. There's just something about the chemistry between you and, and what you're talking about that audiences just don't, are not buying. Um, and then you, you eliminate those subjects, and you will also learn that certain emotions, certain attitudes do not work for you. And so you stop writing stuff where you would be conveying those emotions. And it's like sculpture. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's less wood or marble at the end of it than there was at the beginning of it. But what's there is really vivid and, 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 and clear, yes. both to you and to your audience. But that, 
that takes time, and and so you're you're definitely going to be telling jokes in the beginning before you know who you are. It's a very interesting process. So what you're saying is you discover who you are along the way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You do discover who you are along the way. If you're just tuning in, we are speaking with uh, Stephen, is it Rosenfield? It is, yes. The founding director of the American Comedy Institute, and I had a chance to review his book, Mastering Stand-Up, The Complete Guide to Becoming a Successful Comedian. Are there any taboos left in comedy? I mean, things that people just shouldn't make jokes about? That is such an awesome question. (laughs) That's a fantastic question. When you have a situation um, where even before we knew what the charges were against Louis Mm C.K., but when Louis C.K. is on national television, you know, on Saturday Night Live, doing pedophile jokes, doing jokes about how this must be good, otherwise why would... You you really wonder, you know, right. uh, are there any taboos left? And and and, and here's the thing: um, in order to have an underground, you have to have an overground. Um, and and the more repressive the overground is, the more powerful and funny the underground is. Um, and and we certainly live in a pretty you know kind of an anything goes kind of. Uh, world right now right. where, you know, people can watch pornography on their phones if they want to. Um, so it makes it tougher, but let me say this. Um, the devil can always cite scripture. Um, there are always, you know, there's always trouble even in paradise. Right. Um, and it takes... It, and if someone has that kind of acute mind to be able to see where the hypocrisy is, um, there's, there's going to be a place for, for edgy. But I think, here, let me say this. Certainly using, you know, curse words is not edgy anymore. Certainly talking about your sex life in a graphic way is not sexy anymore. I mean, it used to be. Yeah. I mean, in, ni- in 1929, um, Mae West, the great comedian and, and, and comedy writer, did a play called Sex on Broadway, which had no cursing in it whatsoever, <laughs> and nothing visual that it was sexual. And the entire company was busted by the Vice Squad <laughs> after the first performance. <laughs> so, you know, it used to be... But but it's not anymore. I mean that kind of thing. You know what? What? I, you know it's like if you want to be edgy, probably looking down your pants is not going to inspire you no. to to write them that to find that material anymore. No, it's so, harder. It's more difficult. So uh, we just have a few more minutes. But what advice would you give to up and coming comedians? Okay, um, number one, read my book. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this in that um, there are, you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, there's a good deal of craft involved in this, and I want to make this point. A lot, of what, a lot of what has in the past been considered talent is now understood to be work. And, and in the book I talk about um, 
the seven parts of a successful persona, and one of them is funny. Mm-hmm. And what I tell my students is that what funny means is work. It, it means not being satisfied um, with just a laugh, wanting to work it so that it's really a strong laugh. So I would say get my book okay. um, because it's going to help you right from the get-go. You don't have to... You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then, you know, wherever you are, you can find a place to, to get up. Um, even if it's at a party, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be at a club. Right. I mean, most places have clubs nearby. Um, but there are other places where you can do stand-up That's as true. well. That's true. And, and the important thing is to get up. The important thing is to get up. Um, don't wait too long. Uh, you don't have to master anything to start. You just have to start. And the other thing I would say is always listen to your audience because the audience ultimately is your editor-in-chief over time. Um, You never want to write them off. Right. I know sometimes they'll surprise you in what they'll be responding to. Absolutely. You know, both... Both pleasurably and very unpleasurably, yes. they can surprise you. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So, Stephen, where can people find out more about you? Um, I would say, you know, listen to the Internet. Um, also, um, I'm at the American Comedy Institute in New York, um, and if you want to get in touch with me, that's a great way to do it. Or take one of those five-day classes, maybe. Or come and take one of our five-day classes. My God, we'll get you up there and cooking. <laughs> Sounds good. Wow. All right, Stephen, thank you so much for calling into the show. My pleasure. Have thank you. Day. Bye-bye. That was Stephen Rosenfield calling in to talk about Mastering Stand-Up, The Complete Guide to Becoming a Successful Comedian. Uh, if you want to find out more about the book... Everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, and uh, our conversation will be up on the blog within an hour or so after I wrap. And uh, let's see, we're waiting for one more guest to call in, and we're going to talk with um, Sean Askinozzi about his book, Meaningful Work, A Quest to Do Great Business, Find Your Calling, and Feed Your Soul. And he started this chocolate company, which sounds great. So we'll take a little break, and then we will be back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. 